Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phidias Club. This is episode 83 for February 2017. Civilized conversations and wrong decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phineas Club. This is episode 83, I believe, and we're in February 2017. My name is Patrick Beja, and in this show, we get uh, people from different parts of the world, different culture, different different cultures, different uh, outlooks on life, politics, eco- the economy, um, ecology, everything. And uh, we get together and discuss them and see whether or not we can uh, find out a, a little bit of conversation Common ground and wisdom in this big global community that we'll uh, build together. Um, so today we have two guests. The first one I'm sure you know already. It's Tom Merritt, who's coming from uh, the west coast of the United States. How are you doing, Mr. Merritt? I yes, I, I'm coming from the Independent Republic of Los Angeles. <laughs> I didn't realize that had gone through yet. I thought it was still in secret <laughs> the preparation. Galaxies, yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes it feels. Sometimes it feels like it. Sometimes it doesn't. Hmm. Well, thank you either way for waking up at this uh, really early hour to be on the of show course. with us. Uh, for uh, those I wouldn't miss it, Patrick. Thanks for inviting me again. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing what you have to say because it's uh, you're usually. Well, we'll get to it towards the end of the show. We'll get to it. So let's not spoil uh, the topic. Um, (laughs) And so for those who don't know, I'm uh, in France. And so we always have to contend with this huge uh, collection of different time zones. And it's often a little bit difficult to put together. But we usually manage. And uh, the other guest is pretty close to me. So that's not too complicated this time. Franco is uh, coming to us from Spain. How are you doing, sir? I'm fine, thank you. And uh, yes, we have the same time zone, although I'm willing to uh, argue that we should have another time zone, mainly ah. uh, London's one. But that's a whole different story, I guess. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, for me, I mean, I was actually two days ago in St. Petersburg. Wait, two days ago? Yes, two days ago I was in St. Petersburg. Yesterday I was in Helsinki, and today I'm in Paris. And uh, that was that was an interesting trip, by the way, in St. Petersburg. I was there for about a week, and it's not the first time I've been in Russia, but uh, it's a pretty hmm, different, interesting, contrasting place. Um, and may, I think I, I would love to do a, a show about Russia specifically at some point, not just because, you know, it's in the news. Uh, it's been in the news a lot recently, but really it's a fascinating place. And they have an outlook that is so different on the world than we do. And uh, I could launch into a whole discussion now, but I won't 
because this is not the topic of this show. Um, but uh, yeah, lots of, so two things maybe about Russia. There were lots of amazing places and museums and culture. And the other aspect of it is that the pavement on the roads that had been uh, redone like 10 years ago was already completely uneven and broken. So it's like, um, wow. you know, it's, it's pretty like, uh, sent, almost a, a century of communism will do funny things to society. It, it, there's a definite feeling. Maybe it's wrong, and maybe some Russian listeners are going to come on the comments uh, section of the blog and yell at me for saying this, but there's this feeling that people don't care about doing their job well. And that's incredibly inflammatory, possibly, but it's it's like the trend that I feel there. It's like, I could tell you stories about hotels i've been to and i've had like problems with air conditionings and the the way they fixed it was like what are you doing like shoving uh anyway oh, the, it was, would was warrant it duct tape? it's always duct tape worse <laughs> worse than duct tape like shoving a towel inside the duct like with a, a a broomstick like shoving it as far as possible to block the the air from coming in and the guy was like, yep, fixed. All right, cool. Excellent. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? It was. And at the That's same time. That's called an efficient use of resources. Uh-huh. I suppose so. Anyway, so that was, that was really interesting. And, and I saw, you know, a couple of expos that were amazing. Like the, the culture there is incredible and there's a pride. And the, anyway, really interesting city, really interesting country. Um, the other uh, uh, thing I wanted to say before we start the show is that last episode, as usual, uh, well, as usual, got a really positive feedback and a, a somewhat uh, hesitant feedback. I think there were a few people who were saying it was really difficult for them to listen to because there was a lot of... Uh, things they were disagreeing with and things that they couldn't really understand. And it got me thinking a lot about the reasons why I do these episodes specifically where I, I go out of my way to invite people that I vehemently disagree with and and still listen to them when sometimes I think what they're saying is, is you know, wrong, Maybe sometimes if I let myself go, I would say it's even dangerous to go that route politically and these kinds of things. And I put up a post on the Patreon page for those who are patrons of mine. You've already seen it. And I'm not going to repeat all of it. It was a, a long video. But essentially what it came down to was the, the reason I do it is that, first of all, there are – let's look at the alternative. And the alternative is – You'll never listen to what the actual people have to say, and you'll never hear it. And, of course, you're going to disagree 90% of the time or 80% of the time. And that's the case, you know, for liberals and Republicans and all walks of life, if you're, we're not talking about the U.S. We're going to disagree a lot of the time. But if we agree or if we see their point of view and, you know, whether they see mine or I see theirs or listeners see the other person's point of view 10% of the time, that's something that doesn't happen if those exchanges don't exist. So, of course, there are lines. I think, you know, there are if, if something goes over the line, I, I'm not willing to invite just anyone to discuss things if we're going to start talking about, you know, racism and and homophobia i'm not going to invite someone to say to explain to me why they think uh black people should be killed for example you know if we're to going to the extremes that's not something i want to discuss but 
uh, we're not, I really don't think we're there. And in those not there situations, those moments, those rare moments uh, around the, the, the anger and the rage and the fury of what you're hearing, again, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, uh, those moments between that, when you're thinking, not even agreeing, but at least thinking, oh, so that's why they think that. I still disagree, but at least I understand how they came to that conclusion that seemed so alien to me before. Well, those moments are precious, and those moments don't exist if we don't even listen to one another. So I just want to, you know, it's not so different from what I usually say about the show, but I wanted to mention it here specifically because of that last episode, which was got that, those kinds of reactions. So hopefully you understand where I'm coming from, and hopefully you get some value out of those discussions. If I may, Patrick, it is one of the reasons that I think this show is so important and why I love it and why I tell people to listen to it, because now more than ever, we need to listen and understand to people we disagree with. You know, I've been talking about this in France as well, because as you know, we have an election coming, the presidential election, and uh, the Front National, which is the uh, extreme right-wing party, is very, very popular. And we have a lot of reactions that are, I'm going to, again, talk about it. And we have a lot of reactions that are eerily similar to what we, we had in uh, the UK during the Brexit campaign and in the US during the presidential campaign. And I'm trying to tell people who are, you know, in on my social networks, etc. I'm trying to tell them it's not about the racism or homophobia that are probably part of the sentiment that fuels those parties. What's important in, is to listen to the people who are voting for those uh, uh, parties and to understand why they're going to those extremes. I don't think we have like there's 25-30% of people uh, who are going to vote for the Front National in the latest polls. I don't think there are 30% of people who are actively racist and homophobic I don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I really don't believe that. I think there are, as we've heard when we talk to people, uh, you know, on the Brexit camp and on the uh, Trump uh, camp or, you know, on the fence, there are different reasons for this. And the irony is that those, th those reasons, at least in those two examples, were often fueling people on both sides of the extreme. In France, it's also getting the extreme left a boost. A surprising boost. It's almost, you know, not quite communism, but it's a little a step further from socialism as well. So, and I'm telling them we have to listen. And the act of telling people you have to listen seems like something un unconscionable because it's like you're doing the apology of, uh, I don't know if you can use that word in that context in English, like you're justifying. Uh, racism. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm doing. And I get yelled yeah, but, at but on it, Twitter. It's, it's, it's true that, Patrick, it's true that if you invite someone to your show, uh, you, you, it's as if you give it a little bit of credibility, right? And that's I think that make, that's, uh, goes along with what you were saying, that you wouldn't invite anyone regardless of what they think because right because it's yeah. if, they're, if, they're, if, they're, if they're part of the discussion it means that they have that or you or someone gives them a little bit of credibility. or Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. Um, but I do think that there's this blanket image of voters who are going the way of the Front National, who are 
racist and homophobic and that's it and we shouldn't talk to them. You know, some people, that's what they think. And if, I, you know, I guess if you actually believe that they're all racist and homophobic, then I understand the sentiment. But I don't think we understand what, why they're going to the Front National. Sure, there are, there are elements of, you know, xenophobia and nationalism. And, but as, the irony is that every time we have had a big political upheaval or social upheaval in our history, maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but it's been economics that were at the core of the issue. You know, the, 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 it's the economy, the, the, the people were not happy with their economic situation. And we had the destruction of the middle class in the, not a destruction, but anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But I think racism and homophobia and, 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 intolerance are elements but they're not the core yeah it's true that if people usually when they vote for a party they don't vote for all of the things that the party that the party represents they they usually have they share more with that party than with the others right and it's if not we would have a party for every citizen and uh, it's (laughs) it's true that everyone has its own part that he, that they like and it's true that the front national has just recently have a, uh well recently this last years have had uh, this uh, amazing uh, uh growing of, of voters and it, it's it it it's it's always uh, it, it, well france has always had the, the front national or from a lot of time ago and that doesn't mean that all of a sudden they decided that they they share all all the, their beliefs it just yeah. that there's probably part of the message that goes into them and and, and part and, and the other parties that they just want to reject the other parties there's a lot of that for sure um and and you know i'm not saying there is no component that is racist or or, or xenophobic or of course there is like far right clearly there's going to be some of that but um it's the other part that is important to understand and to talk to because if you don't if you say i don't want to talk to you then they're going to stay there they're they're just going to say well all right f you too and i'm going to keep voting for the front national and for me, the biggest issue there is the nationalistic aspect, which wants to take us out of the European Union, who wants to go back to the franc and not use the euro anymore. It's all of those things that are economically horrible, in my, you know, economically and socially horrible, in my view, and that I don't want policy-wise, you know. It, it almost, just almost, doesn't matter whether or not they're, you know, Nazis and, and, uh, and, and racists. And of course, that's a part of it. But the real problem is that what they want to do is going to be bad for my country, even beyond the xenophobic uh, aspects. I don't want to get out of the EU. I think that would be a grave mistake. We're all the time, you know, we're talking about, they're talking about the negative aspects of uh, what happens when you're part of a union. And sure, there are some negative aspects, I'm sure, but the positive aspects far outweigh them for me. And that's, anyway, all right, let's, we're, we started talking about France, so let's keep doing that. Um, uh, I guess, one of the big pieces of news was the uh, the assault of a young uh, guy from the suburbs by cops that happened a few weeks ago, and I'm sure some of you uh, of the listeners have heard about it. And 
there's been um basically there was one uh young black man who was uh you know, stopped for a routine check by cops and they became violent. And there was like one of them actually made him, and I'm sorry, this is very graphic. He made him uh, take his pants down and inserted his stick into his anus. He was basically raped. And, and obviously that was a huge scandal. And I, I think it's kind of akin to the scandals you've had in the U.S. in recent years um, in the cases of police violence, except, well, you know, we don't have as many guns, so it's not the same result, however horrible it is. And there's been a lot of discussion of the um, the the... the role of police and the dangers therein, because there there are also uh, big issues in that sense. Uh, some places they don't really dare to go to anymore. When they do, they get, uh, you know, their cars get uh, attacked and all of those things. And and I think the the thing that struck me was that even though it did create some, you know, a little bit of rioting and a little bit of protest, uh, overall, the reactions from the political uh, uh personalities seemed to me pretty grounded. They were saying both, you know, this instance of police brutality is unacceptable and very firmly condemning it and saying, but, you know, the judges have to work uh, in a serene environment and they're going to do their job and we're going to let justice work. And at the same time, we shouldn't forget the conditions they're working in. And, you know, seeing all sides of the issues, which I'm not sure I see uh, when I hear about these things in some other countries, maybe specifically in the U.S., but maybe that's because I'm uh, too far from it. Um, so it's it's sort of quieted down a little bit and being taken over by the elections, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But was wondering if you guys had heard about this incident. Yeah. And what's interesting in your description of it is the impression that I got in reading about it in the United States uh, was that you had had lots of riots and there was not a a, a feeling of calm uh, about it and that it was in its reaction very similar to, like you say, the the various uh, police brutality incidents in the United States. I didn't feel like it was presented as any different, to be honest, just maybe less common, but but not in and of itself uh, very different. Be- and and your, your description of the reactions is exactly the same as the description of the reactions here. Uh, President Obama at the time, uh, you know, had a, had a reaction of, you know, please, you know, it, let the judges do their work. Let's, let's let justice take its course. Uh, there were a lot of those exact same political reactions and various reactions from the populace, some saying, yes, you know, peaceful protests and others saying, no, we need to push farther. And then eventually decisions are handed out and there is both, you know, anger and resentment and uh, justification for those decisions. The quintessential difference is that it is less common in the U.S. for there to be uh, a, a police brutality incident where there is not a shooting under field conditions. So what happened in in France, it sounded like to me, was something where uh, a policeman took agency, right, and and perpetrated something on someone not in the heat of the moment necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. And and that happens in the United States. I'm not trying to to say it doesn't. But the majority of the incidents that people think of, like in Ferguson and places like that, uh, were a policeman – 
operating under fear and shooting perhaps when they shouldn't have been shooting. Uh, and, and then that's what the entire judicial review is about. What was this a, an appropriate use of force? So, so there's a couple of differences there, but I, I think those differences while interesting are less important than the reactions aren't because of the details per se. They are because of built up frustration and mistrust uh, between the government and law enforcement and the community they're policing. Yeah, and I and I think maybe I'm understating the riots a little bit. It's not like it was like three people in the street for a day and then that was it. It was several days. It was violent incidents. So maybe it's a little bit more similar to what you know you guys have in the U.S. than I care to to admit. I think the difference is, as you said, it's clear that no one can defend the policeman in this yeah. instance, whereas in the U.S., as you said, it's often, you know, under fear and you're not sure you did the right thing, but there was cause. In this case, obviously, there's no cause. Yeah. Um, and and also, we don't have as many of them, or at least that's how it feels. Um, it happens every once, every few years, I guess, or, you know, the big ones that we hear about, whereas in the mm -hmm. U.S., it feels like it's every few months that there's a, a shooting. And Yeah, but I think it, it, it goes with what you were saying, Patrick, that... If everyone has guns, or if more people has guns, it's... You're, you're breaking up, Franco. Skype is evil. You're breaking up. <laughs> you were saying if everyone has guns, then these kinds of things happen more. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Better. Good. Yeah. Not. Okay. Um, I was saying, yeah. If if everyone has guns, it's the police has to take, of course, immediate action or more um, um, reflex based actions. I guess it's 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 because as soon as they see that the the other person has a gun or they suspect they have a gun, they have to, it's it's hard to to I don't know take it slowly or or not yeah, overreact. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly part of it. And whether or not people should have guns is not a debate we're going to launch into today. <laughs> um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is the election in France. And uh, to, to try and describe you, to you very quickly the situation we're in at the moment, it's the presidential election happening in April and May. We have two rounds. And we have basically uh, the right, the left, and the center. And on the right, we have Marine Le Pen, which is getting polls-wise the best numbers, um, which is already a, a frustration. That's the extreme right-wing party. Um, the François Fillon is the traditional, what, it's the Republican candidate, basically. And the irony in his candidacy is that he, he surpassed in the primaries other candidates because he was clean and because he didn't have any, um, you know, problems with the law. And uh, <laughs> ironically, he was uh, accused now of having employed his wife and uh, other people, his children, in fake jobs, which netted him and his family about a million euros over, I think, 10 or 15 years, something like that. And it developed over the past uh, month or so, that story. And now Now he's he's still pretty strong. I think he's second, even though those um, issues have been made pretty clear. I mean, the justice system is still working through it. So I guess if you want to make sure you're you're neutral until you have a, a decision, uh, you know, presumed innocent. But 
it's still weighing down on his campaign. And the reaction has been to sort of go after the press and talk about the fact that there's, uh, you know, like trying to deflect with there's a state of civil war in the country and these kinds of inflammatory statements, which are transforming him from the stable, you know, rational right-wing candidate you can depend on into something a little bit less, um, you know, reliable, but still... Uh, uh, he's he's still second in the polls. And then you have the left side of the aisle, which where it's like a tragedy in slow motion. You have the extreme left wing, which is uh, one candidate who, who, as I was saying, could be considered on the verge of communism, um, but not quite. He's, let's say, socialist and not social democrat. But He's definitely a socialist, and um, he's attracting, I think, a lot of the people that are sick of the usual political scene, very much in the same way that Marine Le Pen with the Front National is doing, and very much in the same way that maybe Bernie Sanders or even Donald Trump, I think it was kind of the same attraction, um, got a, a big traction with the voters. And he's he was sort of part of the general left wing, but he's sort of splitting the vote for the the left wing and the other candidate is um Amon who was who won the primaries uh in sort of a surprise with the primary process for the socialist party because he wasn't the the favorite um and he represents a clear left turn on the socialist party basically he's not trying to go the social democrat round uh, route trying to be closer to the to the center but he's clearly on the left trying to to do what a lot of people in France are are calling the left, the socialists have to do a real socialist policy uh, and not try to go to the center and become social democrats, who in effect are the same thing as liberals. And that's a sentiment, uh, I'm sorry, as, as what we would call Republicans, uh, what you guys would call Republicans. Um, and I hope you're not hearing the... Uh, the, the work happening outside. So there's a little bit of noise here. <laughs> not so. yet, no. Um, and, and so there, that's a sentiment that's very present here with the voters on the left who are very active, uh, who are saying the previous government of Hollande, the one who, who is in place now, is, has betrayed what it said it would do, which was basically what the new uh, candidate from the Socialist Party is now saying he will do, which is socialist policy. Not, you know, again, not socialist in the sense of, you know, not on the I, I know socialist as a word is very loaded for many people, including in the US. Um, but it's not that far to the left. It's obviously you believe in uh, the, the the market economy, free market, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it has more to do with the help the government is going to provide uh, around uh, different areas of the of society. Um, and so a lot of people are saying, Hollande was elected on that platform. He went more to the right. We don't want that anymore. And the reason why uh, all of these voters are going to the right wing, to the, the extreme right wing, is that we didn't get a real left wing policy in the country for decades. And now we have to stop messing around and we have to to take care in a sense i don't think that's how they they're saying it but in is, in essence the issue everyone is trying to address without being able to to 
collate that with that name is that the middle class is thinning out. And that's a huge problem. And that's where I'm, you know, going when I'm saying the economy is the cause of everything. We have people who have more money and people who have less money and the middle class is sort of disappearing. And we don't know if we have to fix it with right-wing policies or left-wing policies and both sort of say we have the answer, you know, um, and and the people in the opposing side are saying, F you, you're going to destroy the world, <laughs> which is full of, you know, nuance. Um hmm. But the result is that on the left side, you have two candidates, the semi-communist and the socialist, who have 10 to 15% of the votes, who could win if they got together, but they're not going to. And so they're not going to be on the second round. Uh, the right wing, the Republican, is still leading, but the center candidate, who used to be part of the government of Hollande, who is a left wing candidate, uh, a left wing government, is now in the center trying to appeal to everyone. And he's he has his chances. It's getting pretty tight between the Republican and him to be on the second round against what is probably going to be Marine Le Pen. And when I see the reactions of people, uh, because they're saying we don't want to vote for the Republican or for the center because he's going to be doing the same shit again and again that we've been doing for 20 years. I don't believe that, but that's what I'm hearing. And so they're, I think they're going to abstain. I think a lot of them are going to abstain. And so... The result of all of this long tirade is that I'm now way more worried that Marine Le Pen is going to get the election. Um, and she's plagued by, you know, uh, uh, legal issues as well. But for some reason, her, the voters who vote for her don't care in the same way that the voters who, vote for, who voted for Trump didn't care. They're just like, F all of you. We don't care about, you know, we've had enough of all of you and we're going with her because... She just, you know, runs like a truck and she's going to destroy everything in her path, maybe, but she's just going to do it. And it's a very similar sentiment. And we're getting, um, you know, uh, calls of uh, biased press and all of this. So I used to say when I was talking in the previous episodes that I was certain we were not going to get Marine Le Pen as a president. Now I'm less certain. I'm getting genuinely and, uh, concerned. Patrick, if, if you would have to... Uh, whom do you think has more chances uh, of winning uh, uh, Marine Le Pen uh, in the second round? Is it the centrist uh, Emmanuel Macron or is it uh, Fillon? Or? I think it's the centrist, yes, because he has no issues that we know of with uh, the law. <laughs> so far. He hasn't broken any, <laughs> any laws so far. Uh, and on top of that, the left wing side of the country has already voted for the right wing side in 2002 against Jean-Marie Le Pen, which is Marine Le Pen's father. Um, and at that point, they were like, okay, we don't like it, but we're going to do it to stop the Front National. I'm not sure enough of them will do it again this time. With the center uh, candidate, they might do it more willingly. So, yeah. I'm uh, discussing also, also uh, sorry, Tom. Oh no, that's okay. I was just going to say quickly there there's there's something different in the psychology of having a runoff too, which we don't have in the United States. We 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 sort of fake it by having primaries and then the general election, but there there's something to feeling like, well, I voted for my person in that first round, and so I've done I've done my duty and now I can vote pragmatically in that second round. But there's been so much another sentiment is that there's been so much of the pragmatic vote in the 
last two or three decades that people are sick of it. And mm. people, the argument is we keep voting pragmatically for someone we don't like, but to prevent someone else to get in power. And we don't want to do it anymore because the situation keeps getting worse and worse. And the argument is we did that in 2002 and look what happens now, 15 years later, the Front National hasn't stopped uh, gaining ground. Why? Because the policies of the successive governments that are not left-wing enough have made the situation worse and have made, have put more people in poverty and has created more desperation that pushes people to the right wing, uh, the extreme right wing. So I, that's not what I think, but that's the narrative that I think is very palpable here in the country. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, I think the underlying problem is when you're when you're talking about the disappearance of the middle class and economics it's not that that the economy has been that bad lately it it certainly got very bad in the mid 2000s right because of the the financial crisis but it's that people don't feel like they have it as good as they used to or how they perceive they used to or how they perceive their parents used to. Uh, and especially in the United States, I know that's true, where the, the 50s is idolized as that post-war boom economy uh, where everybody could could afford a, a house and a family of four and the American dream, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so you see people voting on the, along the lines of take us back to that. That was think, a big you know, appeal of Trump in the election. And I feel like it's not exactly the same. You can't you can't say it's exactly the same with Le Pen. But she appeals to the idea of what's been going on hasn't worked. Maybe I'll, I might as well try someone who says something that sounds different for once. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, the EU is taking money from us and not giving us enough, a lot of what we heard in the Brexit. And like, we have to take back our sovereignty and we have to be able to decide for our own destiny in this kind of, I would say, BS, because again, you're taking the giving examples from the negative aspects of being in the union and not taking into account the positive aspects. But about the middle class, I think, it's it's not so much that we're looking back and thinking, oh, we had it so much better. At least that's not the case in France. And I think in the U.S., your poverty might be worse than we have it here in France. Um, but I think what people are looking at is looking at the, 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 the gap between those who have a lot and those who don't. And the lower class might be more comfortable on you know absolute when you look at it objectively more comfortable than the the middle or lower class was 30 years ago i mean if you look at modern comforts uh modern the things that mo modern technology has brought everyone you know everyone has access to infinite knowledge and we have easy transportation for everywhere we can go anywhere relatively cheaply if you live in in france save enough you can go to japan you know even if you're relatively poor it's not impossible unless you're like the poorest of the poorest but when you look at those who have a lot whether it's true or not you feel like like it wasn't as that there wasn't as much of a difference a few years ago and or a few decades ago and that's why i what i mean by the importance of the middle class it's it doesn't matter that you're lower class has food and shelter and entertainment what matters is that in a society you need to have a unified a big 
middle class so that you have social, you know, cohesion. No, I think I th yes, I think that it needs to be fair, and 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 it's not 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 only needs to be fair the system, but the people have to have to um, have to see it's fair. If 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 it's it, and it happens everywhere. If you are working in a company and you're getting paid well, but the, the the guy next to you is doing what you think is the same work and it's getting paid double, then you're going to feel bad either way. Either Even though you're getting uh, what 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 you need to 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 get paid, it's 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 the sentiment of you're not being treat, treated the same, and the, and the, the system is favoring people. Even though you're uh, yes, it's 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 I think it 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 goes uh, into it, everything goes into fairness and 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 the, and the sensation that you're not being treated as uh, fairly uh, or. Seen through the same eyes, uh, for, for yeah. Like if the rules fair, then you 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 don't want to play. There, right? yeah, exactly. And there know. was a, a oh, sorry, Tom. Oh no, I I looked it up. Uh, in say uh, statistics in 2016 for France, put the poverty level at about 14.1 percent. Uh, and the the latest I could find from the U.S. is 2014, but that was 14.5 percent. So poverty levels are about equivalent mm. in both countries. And and I remember and I can't find that citation right off the top of my head, but I remember there was a study that showed that people in the pot below the poverty line were not voting or supporting right wing candidates. It was people above the poverty line. Uh, and I think that that bears out what you guys are saying, which is it's a belief that the system isn't working for you. If you're below the poverty line, I, I feel like the psychology may be the system has never worked for me. So I'm going to vote for someone I believe wants to help poor people. Whereas if you're above the poverty line, you may think, well, the system used to work for me. But for years now, I've been saying this is my frustration and the government does nothing. Hmm. Yeah, you know, there's there's this sentiment that is definitely part of it. And I remember there was an experiment that was really interesting um, in people it was basically a social experiment where you would give one person a hundred bucks and tell them you can keep however much you want and you will give uh, the rest to someone else. And then that second person can decide whether or not they will receive the money or just cancel the deal altogether and no one gets anything. And when you went below a certain amount that you would give the second person, then that second person would just cancel it every time uh -huh. be just because of fairness, right? They were like, it, intuitively, you would be like, yeah, but you're getting, you know, 30 bucks. Out, and, you, and you out of you would get nothing otherwise, and people don't care. The the inherent sentiment of fairness is important, and and the really interesting thing to me is that whether you're in France, in socialist France, or in um, you know uh, uh, in the U.S., whoever you are, the your opinion of policies is always the re the way of redistributing health. Uh, wealth, I'm sorry. Redistributing <laughs> well, yeah, wealth and health as well. Health. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, whether you, you think capitalism is the way to go and it's like, if you deserve it, you know, you have to work uh, and we'll decide how we redistribute that wealth to depending on people who work the hardest or whether you say, well, we should redistribu redistribute a certain amount to everyone so that everyone can the, uh, afford the basic needs. It's the, the some people usually think that the the two are completely opposite in on a base philosophical level. I think 
everyone wants to redistribute wealth. It's just how to go about it. Um, so anyway, I've taken up way too much time. Um, so that's where we are here in France, and I'm more worried than I was before. Um, I I don't yeah. I don't want to take pleasure in the fact that you were you were saying that that France uh, had grown-ups discussing things uh, at one point in your election cycle. Do you still feel that way? Yes, very much so. Okay, good, good, um, good to know. It is, it, it, it is definitely, it's, you know, not as good as I would like it to be. Sure. But when I look at the difference between uh, the way things are happening in the U.S. and the way things are happening in, in France, there's no comparison. We're, there's definitely the grown-ups and the angry children. Uh, sorry if that hurts anyone's feelings, but uh, that's the way it feels. Yeah, so. you can have a, a civilized conversation and then take very wrong decisions either yeah. way. <laughs> I guess that's, yeah. <laughs> well put. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you're, you're making sense, Franco, why don't you take the next topic? <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I had a couple of uh, options to, to talk about. I think I'm just going to cover one because of time. Um, uh, it's And it's not going to be about Spain, sadly. Uh, not that it, there are not things to talk about Spain, but uh, I guess there's all, also important things to talk about uh, Latin America. And uh, I guess they're less well known, at least that I have heard. So... The 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 main thing is that, or the main result of the of the, of the thing that I'm going to talk about is that the, our uh, our president and when I ex president and I when I when I say ex president is Peru's ex president uh, from like ten years ago is being is being uh, searched internationally right now um, uh, with a with a price over over uh, his head. <laughs> I mean, not literally. Um, but uh, they're they're um, they're searching for him. Uh, there's there's an arrest warrant in the states. Exactly, yes. There, mm -hmm. There's an arrest warrant uh, with his name um, because of um, corruption uh, charges uh, related to 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 this problem. And 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 and, and, the, and this this has happened like a month ago uh, or less. And uh, the, the the main issue is the it's called Odebrecht scandal. Odebrecht is a Brazilian company, a very big engineering company in Brazil. In Brazil, I think all companies in Brazil are big because Brazil is so big that you have to be huge to be able to to, to work uh, for for the whole country. And Odebrecht is is really is really big, and it has it has grown a, a lot in the past years, and it's and it has projects all over Latin America, also in Spain and in the U.S. or well, everywhere, but mainly in Latin America. And um, so it's. Uh, it's, it all started with um, Bra the Brazilian corruption scandal of uh, Petrobras uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, during this investigation, they, they arrested the president of this company because of uh, corruption charges uh, regarding uh, politi politicians in Brazil. And uh, of course, this was a really huge scandal, and it's been and it's still be it's still going on in Brazil. But at the same time, at the end of last year, I mean, two months, three months ago. Um, uh, an investigation uh, that came out of this of this investigation um, uh, um, related how this company had not only had these problems in in Brazil but all over Latin America, and so um, I was I was I was looking and then it's like ten countries or so 
almost the whole continent as a, a, a some some problem uh, related to corruption and and, and uh, has re- yeah involved politicians receiving bribes from this company and so this company is mainly uh, it's mainly uh, mainly does construction uh, big construction projects so it's um, they for example did in Peru uh, and, um, a highway that connects Brazilian Brazil from the Brazil's uh, um, yeah that goes from Brazil to Peru's coast in the Pacific. So it's a huge highway uh, that took like five years to build. Uh, they did this, and they also did, for example, the first metro line in Lima. That's working uh, like I don't know yeah. since five years ago. So, sorry to interrupt. Sorry. I have a question actually. Um, it's it's really interesting because I think one one thing I didn't mention for our French uh, issue with our Republican candidate being uh, accused of illegal activities is that I think five or 10 or 15 years ago, what he did, which was give a job to a friend, basically, give, it, it wouldn't have been considered so bad that he would need to it would be a huge scandal. And today it is. And I think it's because people in France are sort of getting better about these things and we're going the way of the Scandinavians, you know, where if you use government money to buy a burger, then you're, you have to resign. Um, and in France, those things were kind of common ground, uh, of common commonplace. And now, for some reason, I think uh, Fillon is looking at what's happening and he's like, what the hell? This was has never been a problem. We were always like, because everyone in France does a little bit of things on the side. Like everyone tries to get a, a ticket canceled or to to scrape a little bit of money off of their income tax, and and so we or get, hire a campaigner through the EU instead of paying for, for example, themselves. For example, <laughs> uh, certainly Marine yeah, Le Pen think, is yeah, not. I think but so each country yeah. has its own standards. Of course, so my, my standards question is, are not French ones. But yes. so I guess my question is: Has is this symptomatic of a change in the attitude in in Peru? We're seeing this in um, in Romania with huge protests against corruption, where I think people are like, "What what's happening? Why why is this a problem now? Is that something that wouldn't have happened before in Peru, or is it different?" Yeah, I think I don't know, but yeah, I understand what you're saying, and I guess that's the optimist way of seeing at the problem is that now before it happened, but now we are finding out and and really getting to do something about it. Uh, it's it's hard to say because in, in this case it's 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 I mean it's it's obvious it's like from this uh, highway twenty uh, million went to or or they say at least investigations show that twenty million went to this president or somehow managed to to arrive to 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 people related to him so I mean this 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 one is particularly particularly bad I'm not sure if in the past we would have found found out so. Uh, I think that it depends on how you you want to see it. Uh, it's good that we are, we have we have um, I mean not only in Peru but in 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 in, in the rest of the, uh, Latin America also that we are um, taking it seriously and finding the um, finding out what's what's happening with the money we spend on infrastructure. Uh, but it's hard to say if 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 this is just we we are getting better at ca- catching them or this has always been like this and it's just another day in in, in Peru. But um, if 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 it's always been like this, and you mean people, I, I guess my question is, 
if you had had this kind of issue 10 years ago, would people have been that upset? Would there have been a, a, this much of an investigation? And, you know, would it have made that yes. much noise? Yes, I mean, okay. yeah, right. we, we, we have had, we have had, I, I, it's, it's hard to compare, but we have had plenty of scandals, uh, mm. um, uh, Especially after after Alberto Fujimori's uh, uh, end of shift in two uh, thousands, uh, there's been more yeah three or four really big scandals re regarding government uh, and industry and the and the and the buying of uh, yeah I mean this is not I, I I'm not going to say this is fine but this is I think this is not the worst we have seen in the last fifteen years uh, mm. yeah I mean. Yeah, past scandals involved buying the press and um, uh, buying almost everyone just to, yeah, it's, mm. uh, I mean, for Peruvian standards, it's not the worst we've seen, uh, but at least it is, maybe, maybe in Latin America as a whole, this is a huge thing because this, this, um, just, it's just one company and it's so mm. many countries involved and so many uh, and, and so the, the, the investigation is, is, is logistically big, I would say. And, and the, yeah, it's not as if we're, um, well, we have, a, we have this president in jail already, uh, Fukimori, <laughs> like, right? And then and, and we're, we're getting the next one in jail. And it's not this one also. And it's, what, so, this, it's not the only president that's being judged because this issue, uh, this scandal involves also the past, the other two presidents we have had um, so what's so, the sentiment so, so, of the yeah. of the population? I know you don't live there, but what's can you es estimate the sentiment of the population with this? Is it like could it be that the next Trump or whoever shows up and is like, well, f everyone, and you know, I'm gonna throw all of this in the toilet, and even though he might be abrasive, he could get. You know how fed up are people? Yeah, the thing is, I think that it's it's a mixture between between um, between being mad and just being okay. This is politics as as it always has been, which I think is even worse to just <laughs> resign uh, to to what the, the the government is 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 doing. Um, I I do think that I I, I do hope, <laughs> not think that uh, we have had our we we have had our share of. Of um, populist governments uh, in the in the eighties and nineties is is more present. Yes, so so I think I, I would like to think that we have learned at least from a gener for, for a generation we have learned our lesson, and uh, we are not going that way yet. Mm. But yeah, having having Trump elected and having, uh, for example, Marine Le Pen, if it, if, if she goes, uh, if, he, if she comes elected, is it's not a good example, of course. And um, mm. yeah, I I, I I I've been thinking about this because in, in, in this past years in Latin America, I mean, when I say past years, it's like two or three maybe. Um, several populist governments have changed into more. I don't know if liberal is the word, but more, more um, normal or non-populist governments. Mm. And uh, it's it's funny or curious how the trend has inversed between U.S. and, and Latin America because we mm. have always been the the ones we, where we have these populist governments like uh, Chavez or the Kirchners in in, in Argentina or um, I don't know Correa in Ecuador 
or I don't know, there, there's plenty of, 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 of examples. Um, Fujimori in Peru, and then there's many. And these last years, I'm, I'm, I, it's not as if everything has changed, but it's as if the, the trend is, is, is going one way in Latin America and, uh, and, and the other way in the U.S. Mm. That would indicate to me that maybe the underlying trend is anti-incumbency, where places that didn't have populist governments see populist governments getting a rise and vice versa. Places that have had populist governments see a different trend rising because people are just tired of whatever has been in power not working for them. Yeah, it's, it seems yeah, and, that and, and way. I think and I think, it, the, I think yeah. the not working for them is also very it's very relative because if you look at you know the idealized 50s i think again the situation of even poor-ish people today is much better than what it, it, the country you know people people yeah, send I mean, me but you're you're basically saying you shouldn't be angry people because you're absolutely right. Oh, that's like not what I'm saying. Term, people yeah. are well are much better. Yeah. but that doesn't change. It's it's a it's an emotional response. It's not right, a logical right. response. I guess yeah. that's what I'm getting at. It's that you know, but people feel like everything's going down the drain, and that was the platform of Donald Trump. And I understand that for some people it's not great, but I mean that's a whole other discussion anyway i didn't yeah, want to and, and that's and, th- and that was the reason uh, that what I, I i wasn't sure about topic uh, discussing this topic in particular or just for example mentioning the good things that are happening in peru i mean there's good and bad and i guess we always tend to to discuss the bad things because they're so special yeah. uh, but <laughs> But sometimes it's, it's 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 nice to just say, okay, for example, I don't know, um, Peru hasn't have a ha, hasn't had a, a really big radical change in government in the last I don't know seventeen years. Which I'm not saying these governments are good, but at least we haven't made really crazy decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, edu- the, the education ministry has been doing a good job these ten these last ten years. Um, I, mean, I mean, the poverty has been re- reduced in. And I think it was in 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 15 years from 30 percent to I don't know if it was 20 or or, or something like that. So it, there's there's a lot of things to to say, I guess. But yeah, the the, the good thing the good things don't are not don't don't get that much attention, I guess. And you know that's something I'm I'm very much guilty of as well. I often say. You know the reason we're so we're panicking about everything is that we only hear this is well known. You know we only report bad news, and the twenty four hours news network, of course, they're going to tell you everyone's you know everything is, is exploding everywhere and everyone's dying all the time. When in reality, that's not the case. And here in this show, we're following that natural line <laughs> of only talking about the bad things. Maybe I should. Yeah, we're, a, we are only human. I mean, yeah. if you talk about good rich. things, people get mad at you. They're like, oh, Pollyanna. Oh, you just think everything's fine. Live in your little shelter. Pretend the world's great. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'm sure uh, we're going to move on to Tom unless you, you want to add something, uh, Franco. No, no, that, that's okay. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I have actually one more oh, oh, sure. comment on, on Franco's story. Um, the pursuit of Toledo is part of another trend that I don't think gets as much attention, which is anti-corruption. Uh, and and mm. that's happening in Brazil. It's happening in Korea. It's happening in China. Uh, and, and those are all different it's, situations. I'm not trying to compare them all, but they are, all have the commonality of there is a, a use of anti-corruption in, in pursuing power, in, in changing power. It's interesting. 
you know, it's happening yeah. in France. This what happened with Fillon, the scandal. I, I uh -huh. I'm certain it wouldn't have happened before. Um, and and that's a, a smaller sign because we're not, you know, we're not Italy. We're not like barbarians. <laughs> um, but it's happening in Romania. There, you, of course, I'm sure you've yeah, heard yeah. of the huge protests there. And the interesting interesting thing is that Putin of all people, for his many, many faults, and he's definitely a populist and definitely, you know, anti... He controls the press. He, huge problems. But one of his strongest uh, uh, qualities is that he's very much anti-corruption, and he's trying to rein in and control the pervasive po co corruption in the, you know, in the system that has been built up after an incredibly corrupt communist government and and so maybe you know maybe that's no, I, I, I don't know i would corruption. argue that he just centralizes corruption he's yeah yeah he's just monopolizing it he's not really you know i think we're looking at it and that's I, again i think it would be uh -huh. very interesting to to have a conversation with actual russians um note for later um but uh i think we're looking at it from our perspective mm. in and, and it's not as easy as having Putin come in and be like, all right, corruption's over now. You can't be corrupted and everything's better. Sure. And I, I, he's, I'm not saying he's a fantastic human being. I think, again, many, many faults. But I really think that he cares about this and he cares about his country. And that's why he's so popular. Many people say, oh, you know, he rigs the elections and blah, 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 and the media. And certainly that's true. But I think everyone agrees that even in, if none of this happened, he probably would still win the elections. Probably. Mm -hmm. And that would be worth diving into. But um, I don't know. If you control the press, then there's nothing that, that the people know. I mean, that what the people know very does, doesn't relate doesn't relate to what the government is I doing. I, I'm not, it, it, it's hard for me to believe that that he's so transparent and, and that's why he controls Everyone the press. Everyone knows. It's like Trump. <laughs> Everyone knows. It's not like, you know, he's Kim Jong-un and he's sheltering the country from the reality of reality. Everyone knows what's happening. Everyone knows he controls the press and everyone knows that they're probably not going to be saying it's not like state sponsored media. They're, they're still relatively, they shouldn't rock the boat, but it, it was interesting. I was there and we watched a debate between uh, the Russians and people discussing the issue of, of uh, Ukraine. Um, and the, the Russians were like in suits with ties looking really great. And, and the, the Ukrainians were a little bit, you know, funny looking. They had weird like pants and like it, they didn't look <laughs> as tight. And it's not that the debates don't happen. You know, it's not that kind of environment. It's not that discussion. It's not Trump jumping in a puddle and saying you're fake news. You shouldn't exist. Basically, which is, you know, uh, we can discuss this. It does kind of still take place, but I'm fairly certain that many of the... I mean, Russia is a fascinating country, and I've been learning a lot more about it. And I think, again, people don't understand Russia, and it's really difficult to say, well, oh, they're, they're being lied to and, and Putin controls everything when the context is so different and that's not exactly how 
it actually is. It's kind of how it is, but not exactly. And when we're saying, oh, but they don't, they can't make informed decisions, I think we understand something different from the reality of that country. And I don't know too mm. much, so maybe I'm sort of misunderstanding it as well. But um, corruption. They got to sucks. Patrick. <laughs> they got to me. I was there for a week, and now look what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm defending Russia. For the record, for the They're record. the press. <laughs> I was actually worried going in there and I was like, holy crap, what's going to happen? You know, I, I say bad things about Putin on Twitter. Are they going to look at this? And like, uh -huh. of course, I wasn't actually. It's but, not the United States, Patrick. Of course, it's not. You know, that you're saying in joking, jokingly, uh -uh. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I, I'm probably going to go to the US this year mm -hmm. and I'm uneasy. I'm actually, you know, and I understand this is irrational and this is, but. You know, I was born in Lebanon. I'm actually, I, I don't know. I'm not saying nice things about, about Trump. And I know that there's a whole portion of the, the listening population listening to this and saying, oh, my God, Patrick, come on. Like, what are you saying? This is ridiculous. It's not, though. I assure you it's not. This sentiment means something. And it's not... I hope you, you know me by now enough to know that I'm not falling prey to the ridiculousness of, you know, Rachel Meadows and, and Keith, what's his name, Olbermann, like the clowns yeah, yeah. from the left side. I understand there is this psychosis on the left side as well, but that's not what it is about. It's actually concerning. Anyway, all right. Since we started talking about it, Tom... I've really been looking forward to this portion of the show because, as I alluded to at the beginning, you are, I think the way I, I can put it best is, in my opinion, you are neutral to a fault, um, <laughs> the way I look at it. Like, you try to see all sides of everything to a point where I think neutrality and objectivity are, are different. And objectivity is you look at things as you know, objectively as possible. And when they're bad, then you say, well, yes, this is bad. And the way I look at you is that you, you try to be objective so much that you tend to overcompensate in the other side and, and try to stay neutral and say, well, nothing is really bad. And, you know, I'm obviously making a, a very exaggerated <laughs> description, but the, my point is what you think of situations, I really take to heart because you're the most neutral person I know. And it often gives me a, a, a guiding light for how I should look at a situation. And it, it shines a different light on the situation, which I find almost nowhere else. So with that introduction, what's been happening in the US, Tom? Well, a local trade association here in Los Angeles had a meeting yesterday and they had a big scandal over announcing the wrong winner of one of their awards. But I guess you don't <laughs> want to talk about the Oscars. <laughs> That was funny, uh, though. I woke up today and saw that, and it made me laugh. So maybe, well, laugh and cry. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> let's not make that the main topic. No, of course not. Uh, you know, I like that you use the word neutral because I definitely have my own beliefs. But when I discuss things and when I evaluate things, I try very hard to correct for my own biases. And that I feel like neutral is a good word. I try to approach things neutrally and say, okay, Tom, you tend to want to think this, but let's look at it from the other side and see if your, your 
you know, thought is still rational. Let's test that. Objectivity, I don't think, is really possible because of that. We all have our biases. We can strive for objectivity, but I don't think any of us can achieve it. Uh, so I really do like your your choice of neutrality there. That doesn't mean that I personally am neutral. I'm very much not, but I strive very hard to approach topics and evaluate them with the idea of, okay, maybe I tend to want to think this, but is there a rational reason to think the other side? Because I think we all overvalue how right we are all the time. I know I do. Uh, and so I try to correct for that. And so with this election I've, I, I, and with the inauguration of the president, I think we are – as as a society here in the United States, moving the other direction, digging in and saying, well, I, you know, I have to fight against the other side. And the trick is, if you're on either side of this debate, you're not going to persuade anyone with that attitude of you're all idiots. Uh, and, and you kind of touched on this earlier in the show when you were talking about the, the French situation, just because someone supported the candidate that you didn't like or just because someone supports the president and you don't or vice versa doesn't mean they're idiots. Uh, if you look at the you know 40 to 50 million people that voted for each candidate in the U.S. election, certainly some of them are idiots, but it would be statistically unlikely that the majority of them are. So what <laughs> what I think is more productive is saying, OK, why don't you support the president. Are you un? You're, you. I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that you're unpatriotic and unrealistic and weak. Or why do you support the president? I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that you're a racist bigot uh, who who wants to see the world, you know, burn in flames. So why do you have this difference? And I and that's what what I think we're missing in the discussion because a lot of people have dug in and said, well, if if you even try to understand the other side, you're a traitor to our side. Yes, I absolutely agree. And that's a sentiment that I'm feeling here uh, increasingly in, in France. Um, that being said, with... Okay, what's... I mean, what's been happening in the US in the past month, um, while steering clear of, you know, words like traitor and those kinds of sentiments. I, I think last episode we talked about worries and concerns and sort of different levels of uh, being uh, looking at a situation and thinking it's not good. Are you worried? Are you concerned? The, the, the way in which President Trump has been talking about the press, for example, sort of inciting hatred towards the press, which is essentially a counterpower, which is really important to democracy. I, I don't really understand how you can look at it and say, well, you know, he has his reasons. I mean, I'm sure he does, but this seems like something to be worried about. Aren't yeah. When we talked last time, it was a lot of like, well, he says this or she says this. What are they really going to do if they get in, get in office? And now we're being able to see some yeah, of the exactly, things that they yeah. actually do when they get in office. I would say if you really want to evaluate, you need to evaluate actions, not words. And this is one of those really important things in doing what I said about listening to the other side and trying to understand them. What people who oppose the president do is read him on Twitter and react. And that is not the message that people who support the president pay attention to. They dismiss that. 
they say, you know what, that's him tweaking you. And maybe it's strategic. Maybe it's a personality flaw. I don't know. But when you listen to President Trump speak to his supporters and not in sound bites, but like in full interviews, he sounds very reasonable in his tone. You may not disagree. You may agree or disagree with what he's actually saying, but he doesn't talk in all caps. Uh, and he makes exceptions. He says a lot of the media are against me. Right. And so when he writes in 140 characters, it's the media or the enemy of the people, which is a ridiculous thing to say. However, when he talks when he talks to the people who are spending the time listening to him all the time, he says, well, of course, we have you know, Breitbart and Fox News and people who are who are doing a great job out there. It's the New York Times. That's the problem. So uh, but this is I, this, I can is, this is a really a important second. distinction. Well, hold on. Let me finish. This okay. is a really important distinction because he is trying to drive the opposition into looking like they are less credible to the people in the middle who might be persuaded by them or if he's not trying to that seems to be the effect of what he's doing but already you're sort of explaining the difference here and he's saying well basically those that agree with me are fine the others are the enemy of the people i'm not sure that's much better and i think if obama had started saying fox news is the enemy of the people it wouldn't have been okay either so I, I I don't okay. see Okay, yes, it's not okay, but is it the worst thing that he's done? Is it an actual policy position? What is well, the effect of having <laughs> d- doing it? I can and write a this full is where list. It's frustrating <laughs> is that if you are already in opposition to the president, then you say, "Yes, you know, I want another reason to put in front." And honestly, he if you look at what he has done, it is m- more useful and less polarizing. Because if I'm a supporter of the president, I'm going to argue with you about, well, he didn't really mean it. And so he said some things. You snowflakes. He can't say anything without, you know, uh, really getting you upset. Sorry oh, you're so sensitive. He's the Whereas the if moment. we actually talk about the incompetent executive order, uh, if we actually talk about the fact that if he wanted to do extreme vetting, he could have done what President Obama did and actually create extreme vetting without causing a problem with the courts if he had actually let his staff review the executive order he wouldn't have had the trouble in the courts that he had that i think is more understandable to people who voted for obama and voted for trump it's something we can all look at and say okay that's you know you, you can't argue your way out of this you can't say you didn't mean it you wrote this order and you put it out there if you look at the executive order limiting lobbying you can say hey you know what he did a pretty good thing here he said that if you work for the government for five years after you work for the government you can't go work in a lobbying organization that lobbies that department you worked in uh and so this this is the kind of thing i'm talking about is a lot of this whether it's by design or not is trying to get us to argue about something that doesn't have as much relevance as the actual actions that are being done. And, mm. and, and one of those actions is, is changing the, the nature of the National Security Council. That is not being discussed nearly enough. That is a, that is a very significant development. I think it's, the problem is everything is being discussed, and maybe some of it of substance is being lost in the, in the conversation because there are these outrageous tweets really that's what it is but the the security council has been discussed at length and let's let's talk about this maybe how you know again in your uh neutral pedestal tower of of righteousness 
How do it's you? Not so, oh, <laughs> now you call me self-righteous. I feel bad. No, no, no. I, I'm actually saying you are. It's not self-righteous. I'm calling you righteous. I'm not saying All you're right. self-righteous. So it's a compliment. Um, no, I mean, in, in in I actually mean it. When you try to look at it in the neutral way that you do, don't some of these things actually worry you as well like the national security council issues the 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 constant i mean the leaks it's always difficult to discuss because you're going to say well it's leaks it's people who don't like it and so they're trying to but still there are so many and there are so many issues i, I don't know what what basically i'm trying to ask you i think what do you think of this government so far yeah i i don't think that it has shown itself to be a great government So far, I don't think it is as bad as some of the people are saying. And I think that really the the de deciding voice of the future of the country is the people who voted for Obama and also voted for Trump. And those people are not going to be persuaded by a Twitter fight. Those people are not going to pay that much attention to the president's tweets. Those people are going to look at what's actually happening in the country especially what's happening to them. And so it's, it's so what you're worrying. saying is it's too early. Some, okay. And, and here's the other thing I try to do is say when previous presidents have done these things in a less controversial and, and braggadocious way, uh, what was the reaction then? And so I look at something like Russia, the, you know, the accusations of Russia and, and there's a big fog there. I can't actually tell what's going on because Russia has become the left's Benghazi. Uh, you you just throw it out there all the time, and it's hard to actually tell if there's fire where there's smoke, right? So so that's one that I'm I'm keeping an eye on. I'm very curious, and I think it could turn into something. But at this point, it's it's very difficult to tell. But the actual actions of the president are what you can look at: the actual orders, the actual policies that are yeah. being implemented, and there are some very concerning things there. Some of the things that a, a lot on the left are concerned about are things that. The presidents before have done. President Bush did, President Reagan did. They're just Republican things like defunding Planned Parenthood. If if you disagree with them, then you're going to disagree with them now. It's not a particularly you know unique thing for a Republican president to do. Other things like asking for the resignations of all of the ambassadors immediately, not asking them to stay on to the point that in the current discussions about Syria in Geneva, there is no U.S. representation. Uh, that's troubling. That does not seem like someone who actually knows how to run the executive branch to me. Yeah, so, I, I was going uh, can, can I say a little bit? Uh, a little thing? Sure, sure. Of course. Go okay. Ahead. So, so, um, so what I'm, what I, I have actually, a couple of things to say um one is uh, yes you, you were you were you were you were saying tom judge the actions not the words i i i cannot I, I, it's hard for me to to agree with that because okay so so regarding actions for example there's two main things that i would think that it's it's relevant to 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 follow uh first is the intentions so letting aside first the the, the words and just focusing on the actions Is, is the intention good? I mean, or, or it, does, does it make sense what they want to do? So that's one thing that's um, a thing to, to discuss, I, th I guess. And you can, be, uh, you can agree or not. The other one is incompetence. And, and I think that it's, it's important to separate both concepts. You can have very good intentions and still be a, have a very bad government. And I think that they should be judged separately. And uh, the, 
people should have a, a clear um, idea and an opinion about uh, whether they, what they want to do in, in this in this new government makes sense. And also, at the other at the other hand, if, if what they are actually doing, they're doing it correctly or not, because. Yeah, I, I don't know. For for me, incompetence can be just as dangerous and as 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 bad intentions. You can you can really ruin a country by by just governing badly, uh, and uh, and the the reasons can be many. I'm not. I I I, I have no idea why would a uh, would a government itself. Uh, do a worse job than the one before. Maybe improvisation is a cause. Maybe many many things can be causes. Many maybe maybe a bad design or having just a mixture of things and concepts can make you a very bad implementation, uh, very bad execution executioner or yeah, uh, person that executes yeah. executive. Um, and so that's one thing that, and I think those two concepts are important to separate. The other one is regarding words and actions. I. I, I don't think that you can that, that, that the president or whoever in government should be allowed to, to say whatever he wants just as long as he does the, the, right, the, the, the right thing. I mean, even if the intentions are good in the actions and, and, and the government is competent, I don't think that the government should just the government or the president or whoever has the right to just say whatever he wants and then do whatever he chooses to. And that's that I I, I yeah, I relate a lot to that to this because this happens. Well, this happens everywhere, I guess. A politician just promises whatever he wants in the campaign, and then at the end, he just does whatever he wants. And in Peru, it, this happens like regularly. Like there's even a phrase. Um, he and it's more translated. It's like he stole, but at least he did something. Uh, like he stole, but but at least he 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 did something. And it's it's. It's it's just like I don't care what the the, the the politician says or the government says, yeah, as long as he does uh, things that are good to me, uh, because language is important and and uh, being able to just get away with it is it's I think it's not healthy for for a society, right? But for, for because the, it's uh, yeah the the aspect of you know people say something and then do something else. I think everyone, and especially people who voted for Trump, are going to say, well, this is exactly the problem. And Trump, you know, he might not do everything, but he's already done a lot of the things that he said he would. So that's a good thing. What I can relate to is the, it's, he shouldn't be allowed to say anything he wants. I, obviously, it's difficult to put in place, but I kind of, I kind of steer your way, Franco, when you're saying that because the president has a responsibility and not verbally destroying a basically the fourth estate or the third estate, by the way, is it the third or the second when he started attacking the, the judicial mm. is it. I understand it's just words and it's just Twitter and we can say all of this, but even if we're trying to stay rational and neutral and everything, the president has a huge um, responsibility. He has a huge power. And what he says, his word matters. And I don't know if you guys remember, but when we were discussing after the election, I think I was very vehement in, in saying that, you know, now he's the president, maybe he's got to be presidential and maybe he's got to change. We should wait and see. And when he's saying those things, when he's saying judges are, you know, judges suck and the press is the enemy of the people, I understand it's just words, but he has power 
And with that power, as we all well know, since Spider-Man 1, with that great power comes great responsibility. So, again, I'm not saying we should, you know, there should be a provision in the Constitution that says the president shouldn't tweet. But at least we can look at it and say, yes, this is a concern. And this is a problem when he says those things. And it, and not, you know, well, but it's just words, whatever. Right? Well, again, I, I, I think you guys are absolutely right. You have the right to look at someone and say, I don't like what they're saying. I think it's irresponsible in their position of power. But do you want to have that battle? Or do you want to have a different battle? And if what we're talking you about want to is, have all the battles. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I want to get the president out. Then... That maybe that is the battle you want to have. I don't know. If oh, your battle is, I actually want to have a good government and I want to engage in a dialogue with people who maybe don't agree entirely with me, but again, voted for Obama and voted for Trump and understand them, then focusing on those tweets isn't going to be your best option. Uh, so this is different than saying approve of the tweets. It's different than saying it's OK that he says these things. It's saying you're not going to make a lot of progress having that argument. And in fact, it may be what that the right wing wants is for you to spend all your time arguing about the meaning of words rather than having a more substantive discussion about the actions. I think those words are very wise and I approve of them. <laughs> yeah, in, 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 yeah you, if, of course I agree you need to be practical and and and, and focus on on the the, um, the higher risks let's say and the the, 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 um, the the higher risks are of course on the implementations and the, and the way the the um, the laws are going to be uh, written right yeah I, I, in, in a certain sense if if someone constantly says shocking things and you've decided like okay that's a person who says inappropriate things do you need to keep proving that point and and if you keep engaging every time they say shocking things are you maybe not encouraging them to continue to say shocking things because they like your reaction and especially yeah. considering the fact that the people who voted for him um shut up siri <laughs> every time that is the only way to shut up Siri, though. Absolutely. I, I agree. Um, the, I lost my point. No, the people who did vote for him acknowledge that he says shocking things. I think that's the, the, the thing that, you know, for, for people who are shocked, it's like, but how did you, what the, how did, you know, and we, our heads explode every time. And the people on the other side are, are saying, yeah, we know. He's an idiot. Or, you know, maybe not he's an idiot, but... He says crazy things. Says we get crazy it. But things. we think he's and, going yeah. to change things for the better exactly. anyway. So, so saying, keeping, coming back to the, but, but he said something crazy. Yeah. And you're, and you're like, yeah, we told you, we know. And you're like, but, but it's really crazy. And so I understand that dynamic. And I think the most ironic part of all of this is that I've been trying to convince people in this election that... We should listen to the people who are voting for the the um, far right because if if for no other reason that when we've tried to uh, call them homophobes and racists and yell at them, 
It's never worked in France. It's never worked in the UK and it's never worked in the US. So if we keep doing it, then who's the idiot, right? If we keep doing the thing that doesn't work and makes the situation worse, regardless of everything else, who's the idiot in that story? And I guess, you know, I'm calling myself an idiot right now because I keep getting <laughs> doing that thing that doesn't work and that serves no purpose, which is getting aggravated by the, the tweets and those kinds of things from Donald Trump. So as always, it's an interesting, you know, way of looking at things when we discuss it. But with uh, yeah, who disagree. but besides being being scandalized by by the, by the tweets, I think I, I agree. It's there's there, ha, there has to be or there's got to be a better way of, of, of learning uh, by mistake or, or just learning a lesson of that. And I think that the lesson should be do not assume that crazy people just say crazy things before the elections and they, they're going to do what's right at the end when they become president. Uh, I think that the lesson is do not trust people that do crazy things uh, in general. Like, like it, 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 because because part of the, the of the argument we have discussed and it's 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 been discussed many times is yeah he does he he, he writes uh, really um, extreme things uh, but then he'll do he'll do what's right when he gets president so no, he, yes he writes you know, crazy things and and so and so the lesson I think should be don't 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 just assume that it's part of the personality and then when when uh, yeah it, this is the normal thing think- because. I, I don't think anyone's assuming that Trump is going to do great, um, including people who voted for him. And I think that might be one of the disconnects. When, whenever I, I have a, a conversation with someone who's, you know, willing to, quote unquote, give him the benefit of the doubt, which infuriates people on my side of the political spectrum when people say that. But if, if you take the previous episode, for example... People were discussing, you know, Brian and and Tony were discussing that Muslim ban, I think, in a relatively calm and rational manner. We might have disagreed ultimately on whether or not it was good or bad or but, you know, it, it wasn't it was a very different substance for the conversation than what we usually discuss when we talk essentially of the tweets. So I don't think what we're what the conclusion of this discussion is well he says crazy things so it's crazy but we should be okay with everything i think the conclusion is let's not waste time talking about the tweets and let's talk about the actually policy the actual policies being put in place like the muslim ban which we can have a substantial conversation about and you know the other policies and maybe that's something we're not doing enough here and yeah. it i think it's something we're not doing enough, partly because that's something that the, the media circus is not discussing enough. Um, yes, and 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 some of what the criticisms of the media are valid. Uh, some of the, the the criticisms of the media are very true and and have been made by people on the left as well as the right. It's not that the media is blameless. Again, it's it's a matter of degree, and and so when. You know, when when there's criticisms of the media, on the one hand, I feel like that's fair. The media gets things wrong. Oftentimes they're lazy. Uh, oftentimes they do let their biases creep in 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 what they choose to report on. On the other hand, uh, saying that you're looking for a friendly question 
in a press conference is troubling to me because when you are a public servant, which I believe the elected officials are, part of that is having to listen to questions you don't like. They 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 don't necessarily going to be friendly questions. You don't have to answer them if you don't want to. You don't even have to let CNN into your gaggle if you don't want to. I there there that is the system working. There is freedom of the press. The press gets to say what they want. They get to ask what they want. You as an executive can choose to react to that how you want. And I think one of the issues is we've had no real tests of our democratic system in the U.S. since Richard Nixon. Uh, and and so we've gotten used to things just kind of working without having to put the system of checks and balances to the test. And this president is pushing the system some in some ways that are not constitutional where it's like he's not violating the constitution by kicking cnn out of a out of a press briefing with his press secretary but that's pushing the sort of soft system that we have developed and what you have to do is react to that and say okay well if you're not going to let us in this is what's going to happen and the reason people have let us in in the past is because they knew this was going to happen so now this is what the consequences of that are going to be and then some some of them are constitutional where you put an executive order out that is poorly drafted and it gets tested in the court and you can complain that you don't like what the judge did but that doesn't mean it's not the system working we have a system where judges are appointed for a reason judges are appointed to adjudicate when people disagree about how laws are being drafted or executed. Congress makes the laws that the judge interprets and the executive branch executes the laws and the judge can judge whether those laws are being executed properly. Again, we're not used to the system having to work in that way, but it is. And so when people get so upset, and and Brian Brushwood, my friend, says this all the time, the president of the United States is not a god king. He or she cannot do everything they want and we're seeing that we're seeing that play out what will be very troubling is if methods are taken to undermine that so far that hasn't happened yeah i think i think it, that the, yeah. the main thing that us has is it's good institutions and and um, really good history of, of, of yeah of, or yeah a lot of time of, of building institutions and uh, of course i think europe has it too and that mm-hmm. just i see it as a uh, as a way of um, resisting any any really bad government i mean it's well, it's, that's... It, it's it, it, that's the way the, the, the way that the reason for the institutions is so the, so the country can be immune to a really uh, extreme um, be it party or government or anything and i think that i i do agree that the us will do just fine in 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 4 years um maybe what worries me most is the trend because yeah, if it's four years, yeah, probably nothing really bad will happen, or hopefully. But the thing is, what if what if this becomes a trend? Because then it's then I would argue then you become maybe Venezuela or something. If you if you give fifteen years or twenty years to a government to a really populist government to do whatever they want, yeah, the institutions will 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 protect the the the, the I don't know the 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 the, the actual state of the country or. Um, yeah, the, the I don't know the, the, the balance the, the, of power the, the, and yeah. the adversarial process mm-hmm. and yeah the consistency yeah yeah it's, it's like it's like it's like inertia and and then to break it, it 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 requires just a lot of force and a lot of time but eventually you you can really break institutions you just need mm. a lot of time or a really really bad precedent. <laughs> so I think the conclusion of all of this is that let's worry less about the tweets 
Um, and let's, I think, I hope that uh, people agree that with this ousting of, you know, CNN and everyone from, you know, the, the media that don't agree with the administration of the gaggle, that's fine. I think everyone, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's President Obama it's okay. stopped talking to Fox News for a while. This is, you know, sure. presidents try but, this from time to time. Yeah. And, and I think it's fine. And what we have to be careful about what happens next. And, and you're right, Tom, this is the system being put to the test in a way that it hasn't been in a long time. And that's why the system is designed that way. But it's, I think it's also okay to look at this and get a little bit tense, you know, and go, okay, so is it going to work? Because we haven't used it in sure. a while. And, yeah, yeah. and we have to keep paying attention. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, we have to also be able to, to, to talk about it and, and keep in mind with rationality, with, you know, without having our heads explode every two seconds. But keep in mind what Franco is talking about, that those things can lead to, uh, to, to concerning situations. So if we can keep all of this rational it's better than if our heads explode. And that, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to make this the title of the episode, but it could. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. I think this was a really good conversation. And I, I thank both of you for taking part. Is there anything you want to say um, before we close it? Uh, and before I give you the opportunity to tell us where we can find you on the internet? Any parting words? I, I would just, again, try to say, look, you may disagree about levels of taxation or FCC policy or, or immigration policy. Try to separate that from really troubling changes. Uh, you know, what what is just a Republican administration doing what a Republican administration does that maybe you think is awesome or maybe you don't? And what are things that are unique? I think this president does some unique things. And those are the things that you really need to separate and not just attack everything because it's different than how you would want it done. Um, yeah, I've, I've spent a few days saying being against gay marriage in France, which was passed. However, for it, I am personally being against it is not illegal. Being anti-abortion is also not illegal. I think it's a very important women's right, but, you know, and those kinds of things. And I, I think in, in France as well, the debate is getting muddied because people say, you know, things like, oh, they want to ban abortion, which I agree. It's anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, you want to change know, open not... internet guidelines? Let's have a conversation. You want to change the rules on voting? You have to show me that there's a real problem first. Mm. That's a much different situation. Yeah. And, and I mean, in the abortion thing, I think it might be a bad example because I think it's, it's, Anyway, that would be a whole different conversation. But yes, yeah. th like let's have conversations about the actual policies and the things that matter, not tweets, while keeping an eye on those things as well. Um, Franco, anything you want to say before we close it? Um, yeah, just following what you were saying about focusing on, on, on some things and not in others, I would say don't focus that much on Trump only there's a lot of things going on in the world and also in the u.s 
and they also they are also very important and uh, it's, mm-hmm. it, we shouldn't just focus on one person uh, because there's many horrible and very good things happening and it they probably are also worth the time and the and the conversation like Bannon or who who are you <laughs> or like Syria well, or yeah, exactly. Somalia like, or yeah. there, there was a, an awesome interview uh, with Assad uh, for French media a few a, a week or two ago it was masterful the way he spun everything and made it sound like everything was fine it was incredible it's in English if you can find it somewhere it's like Yeah, he's not so bad. Like dictatorships are fine. What what's the big deal? It was and that is also something I keep in <laughs> mind. Um anyway. That that also would be another episode that would be interesting to do and to and things to discuss. Uh so many things we have to talk about and, and so little time. But you know what? We are able to discuss many of them because the people supporting the show uh, are supporting the show. Uh, on Patreon, we have many supporters which make this uh, production, this this getting meeting of the minds possible. And uh, if you enjoy it, if you think it's it it's it should exist, then I encourage you to go to patreon.com slash the Phillies club. The link is in the show notes, of course, and uh, maybe consider, you know, pledging a little bit of money because that's how the world works. People. It's not socialism. It's not communism yet. <laughs> it's money. And uh, if you, you give me money, I'll keep doing the show. That's the deal we have. So, Thank you very much to all of the people who do um, support the show. It's really, really appreciated. And uh, if you want to become part of that amazing club, then uh, go to patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. Um, Tom, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, TomMerritt.com, two R's, two T's, uh, is where I collect everything I do together. And uh, just a special mention that I have a novel coming out March 14th, uh, which you can pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and Noble about a time traveler who tries to save the universe. It's called Pilot X. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, Franco, I think you didn't have a, a Twitter or online presence last time. Has this changed? No, I'm really antisocial in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> But how how will how uh, will you know what what President Trump is tweeting? You, I guess you can go <laughs> to the tweet page and look at it. I, I just go to the street and I just listen to people talking about it. Yeah. It's not that hard. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I have a Google Plus account. I I still have it, although I don't know if that makes much of a difference. Um, Yeah. Well, send, send me send me the link in um, in uh, in Skype, and I'll include it in the show notes. I'll do that. Okay. Sure. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Tom. Thank you very much, Franco. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. You can uh, join the Facebook page as well. Uh, and the show is hosted at frenchspin.com where you can go and comment on everything we've discussed, whether you agree or disagree. Uh, the the comments are usually incredibly polite and you know cordial the the community around this show is i always say that you know you 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 uh sow what you see you you reap what you saw 
right? And uh, yes. the people getting, that's the expression, the people getting trolls in their community are often the people just being comfortable yelling at everything. And hopefully the the substance and the nature of the show fosters a, a positive but also a cordial community. So if you want to comment, comment. It's at frenchspin.com and uh, you'll find a gaming show there as well. So if, you, if you're into that, you can check that out too. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back for the next episode uh, soonish. Talk to you then. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.